0: On DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton.
1: It is Thursday, November 11th, 2021, season 17, episode number 59. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, live from SWBC Morgan Studios at the start. I'm I'm excited about doing the show, but man, it's like every time you think things are kind of. Pulling back together, you're getting your guys back, something just happens from an injury standpoint that just has you scratching your head. We uh, we hear this morning that uh, Randy Gregory, who, by the way, as I was putting together the the rundown for the show yesterday, I saw the injury report and I noticed Randy Gregory's name on there, Limited. I'm like, eh, okay, it's probably just one of those things, Just kind of taking it easy. Then Mike McCarthy says today in his press conference that this is a multiple week injury. This is not a just a, you know vet day or kind of give a guy a little break to rest something that's been bothering him. Uh, my question for you guys: Let's let's just get to the brass tacks of this thing. Um, how what is this what does this injury look like as far as just
2: timetable? What are we thinking as far as timetable and how the Cowboys adjust? The fact that Mike McCarthy didn't rule out injured reserve tells you all you need to know. But the fact that they don't know yet also means it's multiple week. But that could be if they if they haven't already decided. That means you're at least within the possibility of it being a two or three week injury. Um, I always try to be conservative with injury diagnosis. Neville Gallimore being a perfect example of why these things take time. So. But I mean, it sounds like they'll be without him for multiple games, maybe even as long as three to five. I mean, it's it's a calf injury. He did say, you know, no two are the same. He he said it was a similar part of the calf to Dak. That's what he and said. Dak missed what three weeks? Dak, Dak missed, missed two weeks. Two weeks in one game because of the bye. He missed he I mean, so oh, right. two weeks. Yeah, I
1: was thinking three weeks from the time he played to the
2: time he played, but it would have been yeah. He missed two games, games, or would have if it weren't for the bye. So it could be two. Michael Gallup had a calf injury and is just now coming back in mid-November after week one. So somewhere in between.
3: That's interesting, though. You know, you're talking about two games. It's usually Sunday to Sunday. But as we sit here and he suffered Uh, it on a Wednesday, we're talking about having some Thursday games coming up. So, yeah, I mean, I I hope it's more like Dak and less like Gallup. um,
2: That is – and. Yeah, this is the stretch of time where we're we're about to get into that window where they're going to play four games in twenty days or whatever the math is. You know, I mean, after this,
3: it's it goes Kansas City Thanksgiving and then another Thursday game. Just, just a tag, it's just been tag. It's just been team wrestling the whole time. It's just been like, all right, I'm I'm back. All well, right,
4: I'm in. We, and we've talked about it. Them overcoming so many different challenges throughout the season, but to me, like, am I exaggerating to like? By feeling that with this kind of news, I feel like, damn, we screw on defense. <laughs> like, that's how I feel with Randy, a player like Randy, the way he's been playing on that defense. And right now, just imagine him out of the mix. And then while we wait for Demarcus Lawrence, and even with D-Lock coming back... I mean, at what pace is it gonna be? You know, because sometimes it does take like a game or two for players, even like him, to kind of get back into the groove of things. But right now, I feel like, damn, am I exaggerating?
3: No, I don't think you're hitting the
4: panic button. Well, well, he
3: he's been the best player on defense. He's been better. I mean, he I think he's been better consistently now than Diggs and Parsons, who have been great at times. But I think for what that position gives you. I mean he he has cleaned up a lot of messes and um he's been a dynamic player and so no I, I don't know about screwed I mean but cuz um, Dan Quinn has had less talent and had good defenses so we'll see what he can come up with but um yeah I mean it's, it's frustrating to have a player like that that's you know goes down to another injury I yeah I don't think you're exaggerating I also it's just
2: it's it's football it's the NFL we're halfway through the season and Damn, there there can't be more than a handful of teams that think that they've had good injury luck right now. Like every 75% of the teams in the league think they can't buy a break. It's, it's the nature of the game. Well, I
3: mean, it's one thing when your quarterback is rolling out in overtime and beats the Patriots, a team you hadn't beaten in 30 years, and you score a touchdown, and that's the good news. The bad news is he suffered a calf injury, but we'll see. We got the bye. We'll see. It sucks when it's out here at practice. What are they doing out here?
2: I have a memory at some point this year. I think it was at the end of training camp. I was like, now... You don't really have to hold your breath about practice anymore because the season practices are different than camp practices and (laughs) you don't hear a whole hell of a lot about injuries happening during game weeks. And Randy's, this has got to be at least the second guy who's uh, yeah, because C.D. rolled his ankle last week at practice. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's also these kinds of injuries can be DeMarcus Lawrence. Yeah, so I I knew it was more Yeah, so three guys have gotten hurt at practice and two of them are significant. And I'm not trying to say that they're doing something wrong. I just, it's, it's a Tough break that you're usually not used to having to deal with, and these could be
1: just just like use type injuries. These are not like they necessarily were trying to you know make this incredible block or whatever. It's just. Overuse of
2: of, of, after a certain amount of time, sometimes you can just have
1: freak things happen. I'm
2: not throwing. I'm not questioning the way Mike McCarthy runs his practices or the medical staff. I already see people. This is the third calf injury of the year. People, what are they doing out there? Do we need to look at the training staff? No, the training staff's done a hell of a job getting all of these guys back for you. By the way, just again, it's football. Yeah. I mean, happens. I remember
3: uh, eight, nine years ago, it was it was a hamstring. It was Miles Austin yeah. and it was just yeah. a That's, bunch of them. that was it's my first coming. year. Yeah. I, and I then we
2: couldn't we we ran out of room to write about all the hamstrings on. And that then
3: about time. I don't know five years ago, six years ago, I know Dan Bailey was one of them. It was the back. Mm. You remember, yeah, it was a lot. You had tyron you had Bailey. It was, just, it was happening.
2: Lyle had a back a, thing. a lot. So it's just. Seems like they do kind of sometimes come in bunches
1: in a particular area of the body. But I, I don't think – I think you get in trouble when you start trying to make – comparisons between injuries and, oh, we got a lot of these, so it must mean something. No, it just mm. means that a couple guys got the same injury. It's not –
2: Not to mention – I mean, the, the workload – I mean, you couldn't ask for three more different situa- – a receiver, an end, and a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're out there doing the same drills or Mike McCarthy doesn't have these guys doing calf raises in between
3: <laughs> reps. That know, actually be pretty interesting. No, uh, I don't think it would. You know. That
2: might not be a good idea.
3: Well, I like this answer, you know, about – so somebody asked him, "Does this mean Micah Parsons is going to rush the passer?" And he's like, "We'll, we'll see you at noon. It's right? The game starts, the at game noon. starts
1: at noon. Don't be late."
3: Well, well I can ask you guys. <sighs> the answer's yes. The answer's yes. You think
1: he's now going to be? Well, a he's been rushing end? the passer But I'm saying, like, do you think they like they did in the in the Charger no. game? Like, they're going to line him up? He's going to be your defensive. End? I wouldn't. He's I would. A, I would not.
2: Okay, Okay. have it out. Let's go. Who's going to do it? That's
1: what what I'm
4: thinking. What what are
0: you getting from your edge
2: rushers if you don't don't Nick is thinking Dorrance. Okay. No, I, I'm, Micah I'm, has more career sacks than Dorrance already. By I'm, the way, coming out. from where? Dorrance has been on the team since twenty eighteen. Oh, coming yeah. from where? He like, <laughs> Dorrance has two career sacks playing end, and Micah got one against the Chargers.
3: Oh no, that, that's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not comparing Dorrance Armstrong and Micah Parsons. I, what I'm, what I'm saying is that I, I still feel like. Micah is is been a better player when he is a linebacker and he's rushing from all over the place. I don't think he's as good just right there. So yeah, when so you ha- have a
4: guy like Randy Gregory out, though, you don't have the luxury to use a who's guy like li- Micah Parsons. Who's playing that linebacker
3: way? for you? Who's playing? Keanu this? Neal and Lane Vandersh. No thanks. <laughs> okay, no thanks. Because when yeah. you did that it, it, against the Chargers. Laugh if you want, but Jalen Smith played and he played pretty well in that game against the Chargers. He did a nice job in that game, and and you go it, get him. Why do you have to do these things? I've heard worse things in the I, world. I'm
1: asking that. the question. I mean, because I thought it was valid, get, when you, when Amber asked, I thought it's a valid question. Like, okay, if you move him, like, who's going to be your linebackers? I think that's a valid question.
2: I, Keanu Neal and Leighton Van Der Esch. Like, what are we talking about here? I know I agree with Nick to a degree that Keanu Neal hasn't been this revelation. He's been fine. He's, been, He's got 30 tackles. He's started two
3: games. I just I mean, think Micah Parsons is dynamic in the role that we've seen the last few weeks. Basham, him. Okay, you, you, just like you said that Keanu Neal and Leighton Van Der Esch would be fine. I also think Basham and Dorrance Armstrong would probably be fine as well. But I got I got this dynamic player that they don't know who's, where he's coming from. Which,
2: as I say over and over and over again, it doesn't have to be either or. Yeah. I don't want him to do just one thing. He needs to give them something from the edge in this game. Something. I just,
1: I just expect at this point his number of reps is going to go up. But he's going to probably do
2: both. He I plays sixty snaps. I would like to see at least fifteen of them come from the right. edge, just to give them something.
3: And, and, and I'm fine with that. The, the week two against the Chargers, he he only played like thirty snaps. He didn't play a lot, and they were still they used him as
2: a true like he yeah. was part a of a the rotation. edge yeah. rotation.
3: That's not necessarily what I'm
2: asking for. Yeah, God, he just needs they need some juice off the edge. That I don't. I mean, Terrell Basham and Dorrance Armstrong can do their jobs, and there's way more to playing defensive end than just rushing the passer. We know that, but they don't have any juice around the corner without Micah doing that. With Randy and Demarcus Lawrence just sitting out, how much of
1: a challenge do you think this is when you come to? Uh, this is a relatively uh, a relatively easier schedule. But this part of the schedule, I think you're facing some teams that are probably as good as what you're going to face this season when you've got, not necessarily Atlanta, which you can say what you want about Atlanta, but then you get to Kansas City, who has a pretty good
2: passing attack. We did this last week. We started talking about Darren Waller, and I'm not saying it's a superstition thing, like we can't do that, but... Well, one thing at a time, man. I mean, we don't know the length of Randy's injury. We he, we do know it's multiple week. We do. So, so these seem to these, but for the next three weeks, you've got Atlanta, <laughs> then you've got Kansas City, let's, then you've got uh, Las Vegas. Let's sort through how to do one the,
4: at a time, man. Like, we are not on, the team. Not it, not, it's not a
2: it's not a matter of like we need to focus and only talk about Atlanta. It's a, like we there's so much we don't know. We don't know what his timetable is. We don't know what their game plan is against Atlanta. They could. Pick and choose this thing. I mean, they're probably not going to add talent from outside the team. So I think what you do against Kansas City and and Las Vegas will probably be informed by how successful your game plan is this week, if I had to guess. Maybe. Maybe Basham and or Armstrong play the game of their life, and you're like, okay, we don't need Micah so much. Maybe Matt Ryan has all freaking day on Sunday, and you're like, we got to do something. We don't want to move Micah, but it it calls for it, you know, and th- that's all I mean. It's not like, of course, we can talk about other games. It's just there's so much we don't know here on Thursday of game week. This is the second time again they had to throw their game plan out the window against LA, and I don't know if they're if they're going to do that this week, but it's at least possible. It's it's worth a thought. I yeah, mean, yeah. This, this is a like Nick said. This is your best defensive player.
1: That's a pretty big deal when you lose your pretty, your best defensive
3: player. man. I, I really wanted to see him rush the passer against. Mahomes, and I too. I know. Okay. Also against uh, Matt Ryan, but I mean, I thought that that would that was just a, a good matchup. I can't. I couldn't wait to see. Yeah. And I was hoping D. Law would be back for that one too. For both of them, but you know, he got. It's rare that you're going to face back to back MVP quarterbacks. I mean, former MVPs, yeah. and because they're not. Neither one of them are playing like MVP level right now. Um, I think one of them can figure it out, though. But <laughs> and it might be that week. He'll be against the Cowboys when Randy will. Gregory's not there to Don't make you, him uncomfortable. Right. Don't you just see Tyreek Hill just, just? I've been just doing saying this, doing
2: flips into the end zone. I've been yeah. saying all year, like the chief, the Chiefs are Michael Myers to me. Like you got, I know <laughs> you got to bury them under concrete for me to believe they're five and four. They could suck for another month and still figure it out in time to make the playoffs, and then all what bets are, the, are off. And what are the Falcons four, four and, and four and four? Four and four. You know, right now, the Falcons, Falcons are the last wild they are card the team. The last
1: wild card team right now. They are a playoff team as we sit here today.
3: Well, last time a four and four team came into the stadium, it didn't go so well. Yeah. Who was that? The Broncos. <laughs> oh, duh. <dumb. laughs> right. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're wow. four and four. I thought you were <laughs> pulling time. up something from years, like a couple years ago. Yeah. No, I, I, I stick to right here. Right here in the present. Right now. Our business dinner.
2: That's the, the NFL is <laughs> wild like that. Like Denver and Atlanta has been circled for a long time as kind of like – Okay, you get a break before this crazy stretch heading into December and the um, the Broncos aren't a wild card team right now, but that that whole division is above 500. Like mathematically they are very much in the division race, let alone the wild card race. Yeah. And and Atlanta's the 7th wild card team right now. So this is why it's not fun and I get called boring and a downer, but like, why do we argue about this stuff in May? It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter Act at schedule. all because so
1: much things going to yeah, happen. All there's all nothing
3: else. I, mean, what I, are you gonna... I I know the answer. The but part about doing JBA playoffs. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to argue about? Yeah. All right. Here's what
1: we're going to do. We're going to take our first break. We'll come back. We got Bucky Brooks, from NFL Network. He'll be joining us. Talk a little bit about the uh, Cowboys offense versus the Atlanta defense. We'll do that. when We come right back. DallasCowboys.com radio.
3: Download the official app of the Dallas Cowboys to get access to in-market game broadcasts, mobile tickets, daily podcasts, live pre-game and post-game shows, game updates, and more. Download in the app or Google Play stores.
1: Welcome back. We're in the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're joined right now by Bucky Brooks of NFL Network. Bucky, let's talk some Atlanta defense versus Cowboys offense. As I look through the, uh, the statistical rankings of this team, this defense, it doesn't look like there's much to fear here, but at coming off a game like we had last week, I'm just like, okay, well, maybe there's not much there, but maybe there is. And so I want to ask you, what what's the best thing they do? And what's the thing that, that you can get them on? What's their weakness?
5: Well, I mean, statistically, they haven't played well this season, but they played pretty well against the Saints for the most part. For about three quarters, they had the Saints kind of nullified and locked up. That's uh, a unit that plays hard. They're still trying to figure out how to play in this game that Dean Peace and the guys are trying to put together down there. Um, but I think obviously when you have the kind of performance that the Cowboys had a week ago, uh, everyone is going to look at what the Broncos did and they're going to try and steal some ideas. And so I think the Cowboys can expect to see some of that man-match coverage where they're passing off things and playing, playing man-to-man, trying to take away some of the easy throws and trying to confuse Dak with the way that they switch and kind of nutty up the middle of the field, um, they can't really generate pressure um, because they they just haven't been able to do it. I mean, I think Dante Fowler may come back, but they don't have enough up front to really get after it. So because they can't get after you with pressure, they got to put a lot more of their eggs in the coverage basket and see if they can kind of confuse the quarterback by switching up things to make it very, very cloudy for him when he's trying to read.
3: Uh, Bucky when I think of Falcons defense I think of like Jesse Tuggle or something. I, I don't really know a lot of guys there on that defense. But I'm going to I'm going to uh, kind of flip the script cuz we just found out the news on Randy Gregory on D- a defensive end uh being out for a few weeks for the Cowboys. What what would you, what would you do there at defensive end uh if you're Dallas for this game?
5: Uh I think you had I think you have to play more sub packages. I think you have to use Micah uh a little more off the edge. I think you have to kind of Blend in some of your nickel-dime packages so you can free Micah up to do those things. He's the most explosive player on the two-deep roster. Off the edge, that's available, so you have to use him in that role. And it's one where you lose some of his playmaking ability as a sideline-to-sideline player. But in this game, you need the pressure because you can't let Matt Ryan sit back there uh, 40, 45 times without duress. He still is good enough to pick apart secondaries. And so I think Micah has to have a bigger role coming off the edge.
2: Buggy, you kind of talked about this at the jump, but I'm just curious from your experience in the league, like when somebody's – when Denver obviously is who I'm referring to. When somebody's game plan works that well against an opponent, like when you're watching and game planning that, how much do you think the Falcons change what they want to do or adopt that based on what they're seeing? I mean, I imagine you still have – Plenty of stuff in your own scheme that you want to stick with, but you just, you can't ignore how successful that is, I'm guessing.
5: No. So early in the game, you want to see if they've answered the question. If they, they've they answered the question that pops up based on how the Broncos uh, kind of slowed them down. And if they don't answer the question, they can keep getting a steady diet of it. It's just the nature of the league. When you show stuff on tape that you have a problem with, you are gonna keep seeing it until you show people that you've resolved it. And so – for the Cowboys offense is going to be dealing with the match coverage and the way uh, guys pass it off, which is really interesting because the Patriots are really the pioneers of that coverage. And so um, they didn't have as much success, but I don't know why it really confounded the Cowboys when the Broncos did it. Um, but yeah, you can see more of that. And it's, it's actually a coverage that is kind of, people are talking about too deep coverage being the uh, coverage de jure of the league. But it really has been. It's been more match coverage because you you look at how teams have slowed down uh, some of the other high-powered offenses. It's a lot of this man match coverage where you're passing things off, playing man-to-man versus verticals, but playing zone versus crossing routes.
4: You already said this wasn't this wouldn't necessarily be a huge threat for the Cowboys. But can you talk about can you talk more about the matchup with the O line and if they do line up the same way that they did against Denver?
5: Yeah, I mean, look, I, th- I think the offensive line has to has to play well. I think everybody has to play well. I think they just laid an egg last week. They certainly didn't bring the A game or the games that we've seen during the six-game winning streak. I think everybody, us included, might have looked past the Denver Broncos and didn't give them enough respect. I think when you lose a game like you lose to the Broncos, I think that Atlanta Falcons certainly get your attention. You pay more attention to the details and meaning everyone is on alert. I think just by that nature, they'll play better. But then I think Terrence Steele should be more comfortable another week of practice at left tackle. Lyle Collins to kind of settle in, knock off all the rust. And I would expect the offensive line to have a better performance, even though they need to be aware of, of Brady Jarrett on the inside. He still is a guy that can be disruptive at the point of attack.
1: Did you see anything from Terrence Steele that made you say, hey, maybe the better option here is to, to switch he and Lyle and put him back on the right and, and have Lyle play, play left?
5: Well, I mean, so here's the thing. It was a long-term deal where you knew that Terrence Steele and Leo Collins were going to have to be your starters. Then what maybe you do is you leave Terrence Steele at right because that's where he was playing well. Leo Collins comes in at left, and you kind of stay that way for a while. But I think the Cowboys thinking is eventually Tymer Smith is going to come back, and when he comes back, he starts at left tackle. Leo Collins is our best option at right tackle. Let's get this lineup going, so let's – make sure that Lale is comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then when Tyron Smith is eventually coming back, we can remove Terrence Steele and everybody's in their normal spots. I think that had a lot to do with the decisions that led to the lineup and the reshuffle more so than, hey, let's move Terrence Steele to the left because we just feel like he's going to be a better left than Leo Collins. I think it's about trying to keep the continuity so when the starters all come back, everyone is in their comfortable and natural spots
2: every indication is that aj terrell's having a really solid season in year two for them what are what are his strengths and weaknesses how do they use him how would you imagine they will use him especially with um it's i mean michael gallup's going to be available for this game so the cowboys should have all three of their their main receivers for the first time in a while
5: yeah i mean look he's a good player i mean he was a first round pick he played pretty well at Clemson I know everyone remembers the game at LSU where they kind of beat his back out in the championship game but he was a really good player leading up to that uh he's pretty versatile in the way that he can play he can press he can play off he can do a bunch of different things Uh, I think in this game I don't think you travel him because I don't know who you would pick to try and neutralize I think he plays on his natural side of the field and he takes on whoever's there the problem is now when the, the, the three are back Gallup CeeDee Lamb, and Cooper. Now you have a problem either way because two of those guys are going to get one-on-one matchups and kind of have their way. It's a tough matchup for Atlanta. And I think we kind of forgot, we haven't really seen this lineup in a long time. This is the one that everyone feared when you have that 11 personnel with one tight end, these three wide receivers, Zeke or Tony Pollard in the backfield. This is the explosive, high-powered offense that everyone fears around the league.
4: Well, a lot of those guys, with the exception of Gallup, of course, have, in last game we saw many balls being dropped, not catching the ball and all that. How good is this team as far as, like, takeaways and do they even get close to getting the ball often?
5: Yeah, I mean, like, they can get around it. They're going to play hard. They can run to the ball. They can do those things. But I think a lot of the Cowboys' issues are, um, look, it, it, it's one of those games where they have to focus on the DBOs, like, don't beat ourselves. Uh, turnovers, penalties, big plays allowed. If they take care of that and play clean football, they'll win those games. This is a game where they're better than the other team. And the only way that the Falcons can kind of thrive, survive and thrive, is if you give them life by turning it over, having penalties that are silly, giving extra yards, letting the ball flower hit, all that stuff. And so if the Cowboys just play a clean game, like the kind of game that they talked about repeatedly in training camp, where they just do the little things right, they'll win. But I think when you saw all of those things last week against the Broncos, first thing that stood out to me is this team isn't focused. This team isn't ready to play. And because they weren't ready to play, they walked out of the stadium with an L. All
1: right. So it's prediction time. What do you think is going to happen Sunday?
5: Uh, I think we see a better effort from the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys take care of business. And I think it starts from the jump. Uh, I think this is a high alert game because they can't afford to fritter these games away. Uh, we can talk about the division potentially being wrapped up. But now it's about can you get to that number one seed? Because this year's playoffs are so different where you only have one team but the bye. It behooves the Cowboys to see if they can get in a position to get the number one. So then it only takes two to get to the bowl as opposed to three and that long long road of having to beat all these different teams and the potential matchups that you could face.
1: All right, Bucky, man, we appreciate you. That's good stuff. We'll catch up with you next week as we get ready for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the offense and uh, maybe a little bit more about this whole thing with Randy Gregory and how the Cowboys are going to adapt. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio.
0: And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com slash Cowboys. Back to the break. Cowboy fans, join
3: the NFL and supporting our nation's service members by wearing the latest Dallas Cowboys salute-to-service gear. Visit your local Dallas Cowboys pro shop or shop.dallascowboys.com a fanatic's experience to find a full assortment of salute-to-service gear. Welcome back. Final segment of The Break Live from SWBC Mortgage Studios.
1: At the Star, let's uh, catch up uh, real quickly on a couple other injuries, uh, guys that have mispracticed uh, this week. Um, let's talk about first uh, a couple guys that they held out yesterday. Uh, that they held out as a precaution, I think,
2: Brian Anger um, and Jake McQuaid. What is their status and where are they? Purely okay? precautionary. They're not even close contacts because that's a whole separate thing. They just they were like, well, the specialist spends all their time together. Let's just be smart about this. Yep. Um, it sounds like everything's okay. There's nobody new in the COVID protocol. They should both be at practice today.
3: I mean, I don't know if we've even discussed it. I mean, as it stands right now, Greg Zerline's still in the protocol. Right. They they signed. Oh the... yeah, they signed a new kicker, and we haven't talked about. I was it. actually going to get to him next, so okay. great.
2: Go ahead. And, you want to fill us in?
3: Yeah, they signed uh, the practice to the practice squad, Lirim Hiralahu. Mm-hmm. Har- ha- ha- there you go. I practiced See, I practiced. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Haryllahu. Um, and and by putting him on the practice squad, they don't have to use a roster spot. They'll just use a it's. A covid elevation is what that will be, so they won't even he won't even be anybody else on the on the roster so that they'll get the the exception there um we'll see we'll see what he does i guess he he beat out brett Maher in the kicking competition know, i mean Of course he (laughs) did. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, did they kick 60 yarders? Because if they did, Maher probably beat them, but they probably just kicked the 40 yarders.
2: I don't know. Hire Lahu sounds like he's got a leg on him because I don't know if, as soon as he signed, all the NFL accounts start tweeting out the video of him practicing. Like he hit like a 58 yarder with the wind and a 55 yarder into the wind. I know it's not the NFL. I get that, but this guy's attempted like 280 field goals in the Canadian Football League. Let me
3: throw something... Tougher. Yeah, let yeah. got to be tougher kicking there than well, the in the elements, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. although
2: which we <laughs> nobody cares about the CFL, but the goalposts are at the front of the end zone.
3: I mean, a, a lot we of people
2: care CFL. about that. Yeah, yeah, we love you CFL. I just mean in terms <laughs> of what you're going to do on Sunday, but like it's totally different. Like yeah. the goalposts are at the front of the end zone. But yeah, I agree with you. It's probably but, really but,
3: tough. But the yard but the yard, the yard is, is still, the, still same. the same. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah.
2: And here's the deal. I'll, I'll throw this out to you. I looked up some of his numbers because
1: obviously if there's any position that you can say translates well from CFL, CFL to NFL would be kicker because it's still just kicking field goals, right? Um, over his, he's been in the, he was in the CFL for six years. He was an all-star in the CFL as a kicker, so one of the better kickers in the CFL. Uh, over the last four seasons, though, ninety-one percent field goal percentage. He had a long of fifty-six. Um, he averaged uh, sixty-three yards on kickoffs. Nick, you and I were talking about that. Let's get put a pin in that. We'll get back to that. But if you look at his is what he made and missed, he was perfect, uh, zero to nineteen. He was he he was uh, 98% 20 to 29, so not bad. You wanted to probably be 100% there, but not bad. Uh, he was 90% 30 to 39. That's where it gets a little bit weird, because you still want him to make those more regularly than 90% of the time. Point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 40 to 49, he's 84%. 50 plus, he's 88%. So
2: 14 to 16, 50 plus. So that's pretty good. It sounds like he's Greg Zerline, honestly. And
1: that's my point. Like I I look at this and I'm like, I don't know if I see a huge difference between him no. and Greg Zerline other than I do think Greg Greg Zerline has a penchant for hitting those kicks that are that are meaningful late in games. And we don't know that about
2: Hiralahu. No, we don't, but 70,000 people watch. Go to the stadium to watch the CFL. You know, it's. I mean, it's. I just said nobody cares. Right. I was being tongue in cheek. Like it's very popular in Canada. Absolutely. So it should. I. I would imagine this shouldn't be too big of a difference for him. Um, I, considering Zerline's on the COVID list, I feel pretty good about it. Honestly.
3: Yep. That's uh, my, uh, that's my only thing that I'm going to be looking at is you know kicking off if they get the you know if they. Get the off a lot. I mean, Averaging
1: sixty three yards, you know, that that would put it like right there to go
3: Regular like one time, I mean, last week, so because you know, they didn't score any punts, so they pernts. gotta, they gotta. It just I mean,
4: makes me wonder. Despite of, I mean, with you even saying how similar they are, and I mean, they were competing too, kind of competing mm-hmm. earlier on, um, but it makes me wonder how conservative or if at all the Cowboys become as far as their game plan or. Not conservative, I would say risk it more to take more chances to not necessarily have to kick. So, do you guys think? I mean, they would put him, how much trust they would give this guy? You know what I'm trying to say? Like he's, he's yeah. going to
3: get a chance to get out there. I mean, if it's in the 30, 40 range, I think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna do it any different. They might do it differently on a 50 yarder, but I mean, a lot of it too. Like we. we we forget. I mean, they're going to get a good idea when he gets to the stadium and what he's kicking, what it looks like there. And, you know, I I, I just don't think they'll change their approach that much.
2: I don't either. And I actually – I looked this up this morning. For all the talk about going for it and, like, whether or not it's a good idea, most of their attempts have not been from common sense field goal range. They did it against Denver um, – and they did one. They did one from the New York twenty-eight in the Giants game. But really, other than that, it's either too far away to be a field goal, or they're right up on the goal line where anybody would want them to go for it anyway. So there haven't been a whole lot of circumstances where it's like, well, you could take this forty forty-yard field goal or go for it. Like usually, it's either or. It's. We don't want to try a 58-yard kick or we're an inch away from a touchdown. Let's just go get it. That's usually what happens. So, yeah, I'd be curious. I don't I don't think it'll change their their process too much if I had to guess. Or maybe it will, though. Like I mean, Zerline's kicked a lot of field goals between, what, 35 and 45-ish, give or take. I mean, maybe you try that now because you're like, do we want to make this guy try a 48-yard field goal in his first NFL game or do we just want to? put trust in Zeke Elliott. I, I hope they don't do that. I, I don't want them. I think when you start
1: doing that and you start changing things before, you know what you got, like give him an opportunity. I think you go into the game saying he's our kicker. He, again, we looked at all the numbers. He's a guy that has a resume of being able to make kicks. So give him an opportunity to make kicks. If you get in the game and he's missing a lot, then alter your strategy. And, and if you have to do it multiple weeks and alter your strategy for future weeks. But I think for right now, I think you go in you try to approach it as you would with a normal kicker. Yeah. If you get into some of those long situations, maybe you don't try him at 55, 56, unless you have to. Uh, but I do think some of those closer field goals, I think you just, you got to give him a chance and let him see, let him prove, you, prove to you that he can or can't do it before you just assume that you don't want to put him in the position. Talk to me about Cedric Wilson. He also mispracticed with a shoulder
3: injury. McCarthy, tag, Whoa. you're it. Oh, okay. you're out Gallup you're in I don't know tag team I tag mean team. So he's out no. I no.
2: <laughs> McCarthy but, said today they're being smart with him yeah. so when the coach says that I assume it's just a monitoring thing and he should be fine but it have, definitely helps sorry it definitely helps that get I me mean, people keep asking me this like nobody believes me Michael Gallup's going to play he doesn't have to be on the roster right now he will be by the time the weekend right. rolls around he's he's gonna play in this game so if for some reason Cedric can't go, at least you have that in your back pocket. Good.
1: Agreed. Right. Okay. Good. All right. Um, real quick, I did I did want to talk a little bit more about the offense before we end the show. Um I asked Bucky this question about Terrence Steele. Did you guys see anything in that game that made you think, hey, maybe they need to reevaluate what they're doing at the left and right tackle position? Or do you think, hey, he might have some issues, but I think in the long term, this is probably the right decision. You just keep letting him get comfortable at left tackle until Tyron can come back.
3: It was one of the two things. I mean, it was one of the things I agreed with Bucky uh, about. I didn't agree, obviously, with the Parsons on the edge. But I, <laughs> but like we said the other day, like it just kind of hit me like oh, the light bulb came on. Like, wait a second, this is all about Tyron Smith because if it's not if if, if they put Lyell over on the left side. And then Tyron comes back, now they got another decision to make. This is about this is their swing tackle and right now their left tackle is out, but he's coming back. So I from that standpoint, if that's the case then then yeah. And everyone keeps saying this is not a long term injury. So so I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, I heard Dave. I heard what you said on the radio this morning about. I Terrence, already forgot right? what I said. Well, you just talked about Terrence Steele and how everyone. It's tough to go right to left, and All he's right. had another week of practice. Let's see if he does gets better at it.
2: I mean, I said last week that I thought they should play LC on the left, but now that you've made a decision, I think you should probably stick with it, right? Because now you're you're just resetting the clock. Now it's now you're giving Lyle Collins three days to get ready, and he hasn't played left tackle in almost a decade, mm-hmm. um, or. Yeah. No, seriously, I know. We're old. All of a sudden, seriously, Lyle Collins is like one of the most tenured players on this team. I don't know Six how that years. happened. It's seven. So okay, that,
3: okay, I that, guess that's almost. Very, a decade. It's, close. It's, it's close. It's close. It's close. It's like close to being close. <laughs> <laughs> there you
2: go. Regardless. <laughs> um, so, like, why why mess with it? Like, you you started this. Terrence Steele can only get better. It's not what I would have done, but you've committed to it, so I think you're only hurting yourself if you try to restart it again and say, okay, now go back over there. How Maybe that'll hurt his confidence, and then LC's got to do something he hasn't done in forever for the first time. I just – you made a decision. You might as well stick with it. Amber?
4: I get that logic, but it's just – to me right now, I think it's delusional to hang on to this idea that – Tyron Smith It's not long-term, but blah, blah, blah. it might not be long-term. He might come back, but then you just never, never know how much longer he is going to be on that field for. So I just, I hate the idea of the decision that they made of moving Terrence Steele to the other side. I think he has been doing a really good job. I get it that he's the swing tackle, but whatever. I mean... Suck it up. Like Lyle Collins, you're a veteran guy. You can figure it out. You get paid. Everybody gets paid here. Figure it out. I think that he should be replacing Tyron Smith's spot and not have taken that chance. And I get your point, Dave, but
2: You don't want I, to hear it though.
4: No. <laughs> sounds like excuses to me. I don't want to hear it. I
2: I think I like to think of it more as a rationale than an excuse. But <laughs> I hear you. Semantics. Mm-hmm. Probably. (laughs) Probably. Probably.
4: Point is, I don't agree with the decision-making. I don't like it. I I don't trust that Tyron Smith will be back for a long period, just because you just never know. So I'd rather just make a definite move right now. This is the game plan. If Tyron Smith does come back and Lyle needs to sit out, I'm sorry, buddy. (laughs) Sit out for a little bit. It's okay. You might come back soon because you just can't trust Terrence Smith's hill
1: I kind of agree with that because everything I've heard about this injury is basically it's only going to – either time or surgery heals this. Like, those are only two options. And, and so I don't know. They say it's a short-term injury, but I don't know. Who knows if it's a w- another week, if it's another five weeks. Who knows? And so that's why I, I don't look at this so much as, well, he just got to buy time for this week. Like, it, it could be longer than that, and that's why I'm like – Is this the right decision? Now, I do kind of agree that I personally think that Terrence Steele, with more time, can get better at the position. I believe that. I've seen it happen on the right side. I think it can probably happen on the left side as well. I don't know that it's that big of a difference. Uh, I just think it's an adjustment of being able to get more to, to the point where your body's just comfortable doing the things you have to do on the left side versus right but that all being said i I think the cowboys got to look at this as more than just a short-term injury unless they know something more
2: than they're reporting
3: they should to me they should if surgery is an option they should do it right
2: now well i mean we're it's we're past that point in my opinion i was about before you said that i was about to say if they think there's even a remote chance that this is a five-week injury and they're still treating it like day-to-day, normal, you know, he could And by be the back. way, I just threw out
1: five as no, just a random I know, number. but, yeah. like,
2: it's their – and I'm not trying to speculate either, but it's their job to have a firm idea of the timetable. And if that's the case, why isn't he on IR? Why aren't you considering surgery? Like, they should have made that call last week, yeah. honestly, if they thought that that was yeah, something well, he I might do need. Think it,
1: but I think it happens, like, this with a lot of injuries sometimes where it, you're kind of waiting to see – because your body can repair it. But then, if, what? What after? Yeah. What happens after you get weeks down the road? And, and your body
2: hasn't repaired. You it, probably you know? all, you know, Hall of Famer. He's a quiet guy, but he's a commanding guy. He probably wants to be out there. He probably knows what people say about his injury history. So you've got him fighting against you. Like I can push through it. I can push through it. I'll be ready. I'll be ready. It's still their job to have a better handle on it than we do. I just, I'm not. I, I don't really expect him to play this game, but. If this is something that ling- lingers on to where you don't know if he's going to be available like into December, then I don't like the way that they're handling this. Yep. But, we'll all right. See. Appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have uh, more talk. We'll
1: get you guys ready for Cowboys versus Falcons. We'll uh, break down all the things that can go right uh, for the Cowboys and what they'll need to do in order to make those things go right uh, in this game and hopefully get back on a winning track. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Helm, and Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagles, and this has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com